Oh, yes, indeed, there are more questions than answers. Like, how do you stop your horse from drowning when playing water polo? Hi, America. Hello, <laughs> world. My name is Adrian Lee, and I am your host. Welcome to the show, More Questions Than Answers, the only paranormal quiz show anywhere in the world. Each week, my guests and I will search the world's newspapers, websites, and TV shows just for you to bring you the very best in paranormal talk radio entertainment and enlightenment. We will then test each other's knowledge of the week's events of the mysterious, strange, supernatural, unusual, bizarre, and just plain weird. If you have just tuned in, especially to hear the show, then I admire your taste. If you have just tuned in by accident, then I admire your luck. I am huddled under my quilt with a large flashlight and a nice cup of tea with tonight's guests, somewhere in the barren wildernesses of the Midwest Plains, with the sound of my elderly mother snoring distantly from the room next door. So snuggle under your covers, turn out your light and hold on tight. The rules are very simple. Points will be awarded randomly for being interesting and for making me laugh or shiver in horror. Extra points will be available for shock and awe value. To help me control my rowdy panel of recidivists and reprobates, I will employ what I have called the inappropriate bell. An example of this would be... The panel have no idea what's coming, and I have no idea what stories they have for tonight's show. So let me introduce tonight's guests. Firstly, the mysterious and effervescent Heather Morris. She's been a paranormal investigator for many years with her own team called Hellhound Investigations and does all of her best work in the shadows. She is now one of the leading audio and EVP experts with the International Paranormal Society and brings her knowledge and research skills to tonight's show. Heather said she slept like a log last night. She woke up in the fireplace. Welcome to the show, Heather. <laughs> Hello. That was a long and hard night, wasn't it? Yes, it was very hot as well. Very hot. We also have with us the analytical and sceptical mind of Kim Gore. Kim is also a talented and valued member of the International Paranormal Society. Kim has always been a chess player, so when we were at the restaurant this week and there was a check tablecloth, it took her two hours to pass me the salt. Welcome to the show, Kim. Hello. I'm glad to see that you're in full health once more and raring to go. Finally, on tonight's show, I wish to introduce the calm and unflappable Greg Gore. He is married to Kim, and we shall see if this is still the case after tonight's show. Greg is a paranormal investigator and tech expert. He owns and operates more cameras and leads than the BBC outside broadcast department. I was sent a message this week. Somebody asked me what cameras and leads means. I didn't realise. I've been reading this out for nearly three years. In this country, you say cables. You don't say leads. Did any of the three of you think 
for one moment, you might want to point that out to me. No. He owns and operates. <laughs> well, cables even sounds better. There's an element of alliteration. You're happy to sit here. Me making an arse of myself on national radio. Yes. He owns and operates more cameras and cables than the BBC <laughs> outside broadcast department. He is also our producer and sound mixer. Greg cleaned the basement with Kim this week. Now she can't get the cobwebs out of her hair. Welcome to the show, Greg. <laughs> we are on Series 2, Episode 58. 58 is the international dialing code of Venezuela, famous, of course, for being the highest scoring country in Scrabble. 58 miles per hour is the minimum requirement for wind speed before a storm can be classified as severe. I went to the doctor and said, have you got anything for wind? And he gave me a kite. <laughs> there are 58 counties in California. Arnold Schwarzenegger, of course, was the best governor of California because he could actually explain the Bush administration's position on civil liberties in the original German. Ich liebe dich show. Ich bin hier die ganze Woche. And in the TV show SpongeBob SquarePants, Patrick claims that 58 is the luckiest number. And he is absolutely right, as we have a fabulous show lined up for you tonight. In mythology, actually, 58 is actually associated with misfortune in many civilizations in Central and South America. This is due to their belief in the original 58 sins. What a night that would be, wouldn't it? If you could get through all 58 sins in one <laughs> evening. Oh, Been I just... there, done that. Really? I thought you missed it by two. I thought you forgot the homicide and couldn't find next door's dog. <laughs> Aztec oracles supposedly stumbled across the number as an unnaturally high number of times before a disaster fell. So apparently there was a disaster and 58 things happened before that on many, many occasions. Okay. Okay, <laughs> fabulous. <laughs> Fun and informative for all the family. I like to read out our mailbag each week, all our emails, all of our Facebook messages. Firstly, a big thank you to all of our listeners who sent me birthday wishes last week. I had a fabulous weekend ghost hunting at the Fairlawn Mansion in Superior, and I will discuss that a little later. Mitchell in Oklahoma posted on Heather's wall, I love listening to you and the others on more questions than answers. You guys make me laugh we are now kim greg and myself i don't know if you caught that on heather's war i love listening to you and the others you're we, the others we are now the others <laughs> this is heather and the others so apparently greg kim and myself are now the others also i must mention when we posted episode 46 on our archives on soundcloud halfway through that show i made a mention I can't remember what it was, but I mentioned, I remember saying, God, I hope my mother's not listening to this show. Do you remember me saying that? Yes. <laughs> my mother actually commented underneath and said, yes, I am listening to this show. <laughs> I've, now, I've now got to go back and listen to episode 46 to see what I admitted to live on air <laughs> to see what my mother now knows that she didn't previously know. I, I can't imagine all kinds of I'm teenage... Sure it was good teenage shenanigans i think it may have been this is a guess i think it may have been that i said i truanted i played hooky from school when i was 14 to go and watch ghostbusters in london i think that's what it was you're grounded if not well i now have a phd so i mean it hasn't done me any harm is it, to be honest but i think that's what it may have been i'm gonna to have to go back and if that isn't what it was now she knows on this one 
Oh, we can edit that out. Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. Yeah, thank you for bringing that up. The mum brings that up, of course. C.F. Elliott has written, Tonight's show was lots of fun. Thanks, guys. And Heather. The others. Just <laughs> the others. Kevin in Minnesota has posted, All of your shows have that funny factor, whether you plan it or not. That's very kind of you, Kevin. And it's not. Nothing is planned. Nothing. nothing. Mm -mm. I write down a few jokes for the intro, a few jokes for the outro, and the other 58 minutes, I have no clue what's happening. We are Mm -mm. winging it. Nothing Mm -hmm. is planned, sir. Miriam in Austin, Texas, has written, great show. I had to Google that cemetery in Manila. Do you remember the story we did on the the posh luxury cemeteries in Manila? She's gone and looked that up, apparently. And finally, do you recall on last week's show... Nathan read out the phrase Martin Dust Devils. Yes. And it was meant to be Martian Dust Devils. <laughs> and I joked that I thought I went to school with Martin Dust Devils and I dated his sister. Well, we got a friend request this week on Facebook from someone <laughs> calling themselves Martin Dust Devils. <laughs> Seriously, what's wrong with you people? Does your boss know you're doing this during your working hours? We have very talented and creative listeners that's just unbelievable so many thanks to martin dust devil an old school friend there getting back in contact with me after 25 years that's atrocious i mentioned that we spent this weekend at the fairlawn mansion this is a huge gothic mansion it's got 42 rooms it's the most fabulous haunted gothic building if you look that up online imagine in your mind what the most haunted building could possibly ever look like. Now go and look that up and and look at the pictures and it will fulfill your imagination. This is the Fairlawn Mansion Superior. We spent a whole weekend up there. We did four talks, three ghost tours. It was sold out on every single night and it couldn't have been more successful. And we raised a lot of money for the non-profit organization that is the Historical Society that runs the Fairlawn Mansion. So a big thank you to all of the staff for organizing that and being fabulous and letting me set up all my equipment. And for all those that bought tickets to help their non-profit, that was very kind. And I met a lot of fabulous and wonderful people. During the course of that weekend, we did actually do a little bit of investigating before the uh, Saturday night talk, the Saturday night ghost tour. Um, Scott, the team leader of my team that lives in Superior, we went up into Martin Patterson's bedroom. He was a big lumber giant back in the day and made vast sums of money from lumber up there on Lake Superior. And he died in 1918. Very wealthy man to build a house that impressive. And uh, I've written in my forthcoming book, The Mysterious Midwest, I've written a chapter on Fairlawn. And when we investigated there, last year he did come through and talk to me via the spirit box and via our evps and uh, i did ask him a year ago who he thought the president was and he said teddy well the only president that was named teddy was uh, theodore roosevelt of course and i believe his term of office was 1901 to 1909 so i checked the dates of when martin was alive and he would have been between 60 to 68 so the spirit obviously believes He's between the ages of 60 to 68 because he died at the age of 77, as I previously said in 1918. What was remarkable that this was a year ago, I went up into Martin's bedroom again where he died in that particular bedroom. 
and uh, we did a little bit of work there with the ghost box and I asked him again who he thought the president was and this time he said Theodore Roosevelt he actually said that and if we can get that for you we might play that on next week's show so I thought that was quite outstanding we then went next door and when we did the ghost tour of the house I've got 20 guests with me on each tour of the house and again I was running the ghost box in Grace's bedroom that was his wife and Grace come through and one of the questions I asked her was can you see us and she said yes so I said okay what color top is Scott wearing and she said green and Scott was wearing a green top I thought that was remarkable Mm -hmm. very rarely on a paranormal investigation have I ever had anyone say to me I can see you normally they say to me I can't see you I can just hear you on this occasion she said yeah I can see you so I thought okay fair enough you've said that but now I'm going to test you and I'm going to ask you what you can actually see and what colour Scott was wearing. And she actually got that right. And there was guests there that were slightly sceptical. You could see gentlemen that had come along for the evening that had been dragged there by their wives because their wives are into the paranormal. And they've seen all the shows. And they've been dragged along. And you can see them st- sitting there with their arms folded saying go on then prove it to me by the end of the night they're the ones running around that were believing in everything right i love seeing that paradigm change is just fabulous and then finally we took a group into the swimming pool which is in the basement and uh, last year i came across a spirit that said he worked there and i had a long chat with him and uh, we actually heard some water splashing around this pool's been drained for over a 100 years and we heard water splashing around i've got a two minute evp of water splashing like a residual haunting of kids playing in the pool and a gentleman came through and i said do you remember talking to me last year and he said yes and i never got the year in which he said he worked there so i said to him what year did you work here and uh, some words came through and i didn't quite catch them and i said to the gentleman next to me did you catch that i didn't quite hear that and he said i thought it said 31 as in 1931 and i said well we can find out i'll ask it I said, I'm sorry to clarify this. Be patient with me. But can you tell me, did you say 1931? And he said, no. He said, I said 41. So I turned around to the guy next to me and said, see, you got it wrong. He said 41. And I just thought that was fabulous (laughs) that the ghost actually corrected the guy that misheard him. I thought that was fabulous. Heather, you were with me, as as was many of my team. What was your highlights of that weekend? Because we did have a fun time up there. It was actually taking the people around and seeing their reactions uh, when you did the ghost tour with the ghost box. And two things actually stood out. Um, One of them was when you were up near Grace's room and you actually, one of the tour guides, you asked her, is there any question now that we've got Grace that you would like to ask Grace? And you thought, you know, it might be something benign. And What color was the furniture? What color was the wallpaper? And did what, you like living here? And what did she ask? She asked, how did you feel when your husband ran off with another woman? <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly all the pictures started flying around. The lights were flickering. You know, Blood was oozing out the walls. <laughs> but the answer on the ghost box was, I didn't like her. Yeah, she did say I didn't like her. That is true. <laughs> and people's eyes got about the size of silver dollars. That was fabulous. How many historians in historical sites would have loved to have interviewed the people that originally lived there to talk to them about what the house was like, what the furniture was like, how it used to look? The actual people that own Fairlawn, the historical society, actually have a chance to do that. Right. They were there and I said, look, I've got Grace with me. What would you like to ask her? <laughs> And they went right in for it. They went right. The, the questions they always wanted asking, answering, but never got the chance. And there was another instance 
when we were talking about the ghost was actually having issues that there would be too many people running through the house in three months time well i asked martin when i had him there and i said to him do you like the way the house is run and he said no yeah and i said why is that and he said in three weeks Oh, yeah, yeah, three weeks. And I said, well, what's happening in three weeks? And he said, tourists. Yeah. And I went to the, I looked at the director and she said, yes, we're opening in three weeks for the season to start. It, and I, it was too many people. Wasn't it was it? too many people, yeah. he said. I, I, he has to be made aware. I did talk to him and say the only reason this house stays open is because tourists come along and they pay their money. Otherwise, it would never be open. Right. It would be derelict. So they have to be aware of that. But I thought, again, that was a fabulous... Uh, we can get some of these recordings, I think, and play them perhaps on next week's show. But if you wish to look that up, that is the Fairlawn Mansion. It's in Superior. It's a fabulous building, one of the best haunted Gothic homes I've visited. The furniture, the architecture, the, the textiles and tapestries, everything's just a joy. Absolutely. It's a fabulous place to be. So mm-hmm. I would certainly look that up. And if you fancy a trip in the spring or in the summer, I would highly recommend that we have a show we jump into the round that is ghosts and hauntings and everything is to play for a visitor to the hotel that inspired stephen king to write the shining has snapped a photo of what some believe is a ghost henry yow took a panoramic image of the lobby of the stanley hotel in estes park colorado this week when he snapped the photo there was no one at the top of the staircase he claims but when he took a look later he saw a ghostly figure in period clothing coming down the stairs when i took it i didn't notice anything said yell one paranormal expert said the photo shows not one but two spirits when we blew up the picture we immediately saw a second anomaly just to the left of the first figure kevin samperin a paranormal expert at spirit paranormal investigations in denver said to us it looks like the first figure is a lady dressed in black and to the left of her it looks like a child this could be a legitimate ghost as far as we can tell stephen king wrote of his experiences in the stanley hotel i found this quote this is what stephen king has written on his website Mm -hmm. in terms of being inspired to write the shining after visiting and staying at the stanley hotel he says that night i dreamt of my three-year-old son running around the corridors looking back over his shoulder eyes wide screaming he was being chased by a fire hose Heather, ever dreamed of being chased by a fire hose? Every night. Every night. (laughs) I woke up with a tremendous jerk sweating all over. Greg, have you ever been to Fairlong? (laughs) Within an inch of falling out of bed, I got up, lit a cigarette, sat in the chair looking out of the window at the Rockies, and by the time the cigarette was done, I had the bones of the book firmly set in my mind. The Stanley doesn't seem to mind the spooky links. In fact, the hotel is so proud of its haunted history that it even offers ghost tours. If you wish to see that particular story in the photograph of the two spirits taken on the stairs of the Stanley Hotel, all of our stories tonight with all of the photographs and all of the videos are on our Facebook site. You can visit that. It's called More Questions Than Answers with Adrian Lee there on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel, of course, with some outtakes from the show that are very funny. If you go onto YouTube and search for More Questions Than Answers, with adrian lee you will find those we have a twitter account adrian underscore lee underscore tips and we currently have eighty-one thousand followers on there i have a website called adrian lee psychic.com and finally my latest book 
how to be a Christian psychic, what the Bible says about mediums, healers and paranormal investigators is available for you at all good bookshops and on Amazon. I shall give myself two points for starting the show in such a resplendent way. Heather, dreamer of fire hoses and being chased. What have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings? I've got Darren Brown takes his demon out for a walk. Walkie walkie. (laughs) I see what you've done. I know, right? The psychological illusionist was filmed scaring theme park staff with a four-legged demon on a leash. The stunt, which was part of a promotion for Brown's upcoming ghost train ride at Thorpe Park in Surrey, saw unsuspecting staff members running in terror as a creature lunged at them. In one scene, the demon, which was actually a man wearing an extremely impressive costume, managed to scare the living daylights out of a woman at the park's ticket office, while in another, it was able to surprise an attendant who had been picking up litter. Litter. (laughs) What's wrong with that? She's just picking up a little litter, and then a demon jumps at her. It was funny. Uh, (laughs) What did you do at work today, sweetheart? Well, I picked up some litter, and a demon came at me. I've got these scratch marks and these strange numbers behind the back of my ear. I know. Towards the end of the video, the four-legged nasty terrified a woman exiting an elevator at the company's offices before riding it to the upper floor and chasing the staff down the corridors. God, that would be fun, wouldn't it? Can you imagine calling your union and saying, <laughs> there must be like a litter picker's union. Oh, I thought you meant a demon's union. A demon's union. <laughs> I actually went to school for litter picking. I, I just picked it up as I went along. It was fairly oh, easy. God. I am excited to reveal another glimpse into my new attraction, giving the first look behind the doors of the ghost train, said Brown. Over the next few weeks, I have been testing out the components of the attraction and decided to run scare tests with my demon creature. The reactions were hilarious and very encouraging. I like the fact (laughs) he's doing scare tests (laughs) on on a ghost train and his last name's Brown. (laughs) terrible do you remember we read this story out a couple of weeks ago about this ghost train it has like 12 different endings to it uh-huh so you can keep going back and the story it's like a narrative of a mm-hmm. ghost story has 12 individual endings and i just thought that was fabulous it is that would be fun ghost trains of course back in the day was a good opportunity for people to have a bit of a a bit of a canoodle a bit of a kiss and a snog there in the darkness you know because you were chaperoned and you wasn't allowed you know to go out with uh with men unchaperoned with your with your great auntie there and you know you could jump on the ghost train and you know you come out two minutes later and her bra's on over the top of her blouse that's the sort of thing with your grandma Yes, with my grandmother. (laughs) What's wrong with you people? I have another story that says a spooked-out motorist believes she's captured on video the ghost of a dead bride hovering at the crash hotspot where a newlywed died almost three decades ago. Let's hope the guests kept the receipts for the gifts, right? Mm -hmm. There have been ten accidents reported on the forest road in just one year. But the driver who recorded the haunted footage believes that the spectre she could have seen was a victim from 27 years ago. The clip has been called a sensation by paranormal investigators and is going viral online and being uploaded to video sharing websites. Driver Karina Dmitriev from Moscow spotted the silhouette of what she thought was a young woman in a wedding gown and a veil on on the road the sighting occurred on the road between the towns of lubetsy and litorino in western russia's moscow oblast region 
Miss Dmitriev was travelling with another woman and checked her dash cam would appear to confirm that she had seen something. Locals said there was a horrific accident involving a wedding cortege in 1989. The newlyweds were on their way to a park to celebrate with friends when their car smashed into a lorry on the bend. By the way, when it says 27 years ago, I was thinking, oh, that must have been in the 1970s, right? And then you find out that was 1989. How old does that make you feel? I find that remarkable. I still think the (laughs) 1990s were only a few years ago. The groom survived, but the bride was killed. Paranormal investigator Ilya Sagliani of the Laboratory of the Unknown said there had been a number of sightings of a ghostly bride at the scene. The Laboratory of the Unknown needs to be said in a the laboratory of the unknown something from the muppets he said two years ago we got a picture of a barely visible silhouette of a young woman standing by the side of the road this video is a real sensation i've been studying this infamous road for a good eight years so that's back in 2008 would you believe (laughs) if you wish to see the ghost bride what a fabulous name for a film you can go to our facebook site more questions than answers with adrian lee kim what have you got for me tonight in the round of ghosts and hauntings is there really a london olympics curse there we are what do you think is there if you read the story out i shall comment (laughs) the deaths of 18 athletes who took part in the london 2012 olympics have sparked rumors of a curse the rumor which has featured prominently in the french-speaking media in recent months was catapulted into the limelight following the deaths of swimmer Camille Mouffat and boxer Alexis Vastine, both from France, in a helicopter accident over Argentina back in March. It is believed that the terrible curse of the London Olympic Games was first mentioned back in November 2015 after Belarusian sprinter Yulia Balikina Points was just murdered. just for that, Kim, just for that. <laughs> murdered? Yeah, she's, she was murdered. Wow. Uh, it was also mentioned again just last month when Australia rowing silver medalist Sarah Tate died of cervical cancer, thus bringing the total number of 2012 Olympic athlete deaths up to 18. The interesting thing is that most of those athletes are going to be really fit and healthy, aren't they, you would think? I mean, there are some events like shooting, for example, where you can stroll up there with a beer belly and so on. But on the whole... Most events require you to be at the peak of physical fitness and you've been tested and scanned and prodded and poked for everything. Yet, I would hazard a guess that, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of people competed at the London Olympics. Mm -hmm. So if you just take a cross section of 10,000 people, how many of those people in the course of what has now been four years would naturally have just I'll give died. you those numbers in You've just a bit. You've got the numbers. Was yes. I close or was I miles off? We'll give it to There's you. There's points to be had. Okay. Um, some of the other victims include Guatemalan weightlifter Christian Lopez, who died of pneumonia, Brit- British sailor, sailor Andrew Simpson, who died in a sailing accident. Yeah, he drowned. That was tragic. French triathlete Laurent Vidal, who died of a heart attack, and Egyptian wrestler Abdelrahman El-Trabili, who died from a gunshot wound. But is there really a curse at work, or is the French media simply looking too hard for a story? According to sports statistician Rob Mastrobomenenko... You're going through all the Hmm? names tonight, aren't you? The Belarus one was particularly impressive. 
Based on crude mortality rates, it is not unreasonable to expect 18 people to die in four years out of the 10,568 athletes who took part. I nailed that. I'm giving myself points. Look at that. (laughs) You would anyway. I'm sprinting into the lead without any chest pains. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> when yes. you first said the boxer and the swimmer died i thought that was in like an event i thought they had some sort of underwater boxing that i should have been previously aware of yeah it's that water boxing i've actually seen some water boxing there is some footage on youtube of people boxing underwater ball hockey i've seen now they're, they're playing that as well are they <laughs> we had the ball hockey conversation last week we went through how difficult it would be to put skates on balls and then they wouldn't be interested in the puck i don't think there you go we've gone through what if the opposition team was wearing red? That would be terrible. That'd wouldn't be it? great. That'd be shocking. There's points to be had all round. I have a story that says a spine tingling video has viewers baffled after it appeared to show a time traveling ghost walking straight through a closed shop door. The bizarre security footage shows a shop front with two people sleeping outside. Several seconds into the clip, a man wearing a black hoodie approaches the door, which is apparently shut and locked, and then passes straight through the glass in an eerie flash of light. Moments later, he reappears and walks back through the door, clutching what appears to be a snack from the shop in his hand. Haltingly, as the man walks in and out of the shop, the date in the left-hand corner of the screen switches between 2016 and 2019. Unsurprisingly, YouTube users have mixed views on the footage. One viewer wrote, if this was a real spirit, it wouldn't need to steal food. Okay, for extra points, what kind of food do ghosts and spirits eat? Anything at all. I'm throwing it out Devil's food cake. That's very random. I shall give you a point. I don't know why. Booberries. Blueberries. Booberries. Oh, you went booberries. I shall give you a point for booberries. Anything else you want to add to that? Can I have spook getty? How does that work? No. Bouloni. I'm having bouloni. I'm sprinting into a league with spaghetti and bouloni. If our listeners wish to put together a list of food that a ghost might wish to eat, they are more than welcome to add that to our Facebook site. And by the way, we have a giant inflatable ghost that's like eight foot tall. Yeah. It looks like something from Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. It's one of those Halloween decorations that you put outside your house and it inflates and has lights in it. He's fabulous. His name's Colin. Colin. Every investigation we do that involves the public, any expo, any event, any ghost tour, any talk, we take Colin with us and he gets inflated. He has more press, more coverage, more people writing to him. He has his own Facebook site now. Yep. If you've had your photograph taken with Colin the giant inflatable ghost. He now has his own Facebook site. If Martin Dust Devil's out there listening, you can now add Colin the Ghost to your (laughs) friends list. So I'm just saying that's out there. If you've had your photograph, thousands of people have had their photograph taken. Hundreds had their photograph taken at the weekend with Colin the Ghost. If you're listening to the show, just friend Colin the Ghost and share your photos. That's all I'm asking. That would be fabulous. Another said this image is simply fake because it's just a composite the camera does not move a millimeter so it's just a composite overlay from an earlier time when the store was open the static is to hide the effect of the customer passing through the glass but others disagree adding the time clock does not pause during the transition 
If it was an edited special effect, you would see irregular movement at the time of the clock. Unusually, it appears to be consistent. Once again, if you wish to see for yourself the hooded ghostly figure walking through a shop door on security footage, you're more than welcome to judge for yourself at our Facebook site. More questions than answers with adrian lee heather would you like to bring the round to a crashing fabulous conclusion of ghosts and hauntings yes possession epidemic hit schools in malaysia we've had quite a few stories about that right we have i remember Mm -hmm. doing a story on that many years ago a strange case of mass hysteria has seen students and even teachers being pinned down by evil spirits I love the sound effects. That's quite scary. <laughs> the incidents were reported to have occurred at several schools in Malaysia's Kataburo region, including one in which 20 female students were sent home after being possessed. In another, reports of students being overwhelmed by a patonic, which is a type of female vampire ghost well known in Malaysian folklore, saw a further five girls being sent home. If you said to your kids, if anyone's possessed, you can go home for the day, wouldn't every single kid try and turn their head around and start talking in tongues? Absolutely, and bring I'm, pea soup to school. That's what I would do. <laughs> I'd be throwing pea soup everywhere and trying to move my head about. You do that at home now. This is very true. I'd get the afternoon off school. <laughs> Miss, I can't go to history lessons this afternoon. I'm possessed. <laughs> Even one of the teachers, 32-year-old Norlilawadi Romley, claimed to have been pinned down by an unseen force while she was attempting to help a student who had been seeing demons. Dear sir, Johnny can't come to school today. Mm -hmm. He's been possessed. We've taken him to the doctor and he's on medication. (laughs) The problem became so bad that education chiefs resorted to sending shamans and other religious practitioners into the schools in an effort to cleanse the building of evil spirits. Who charged $100 each and happened to be the parents of some of the kids that went to school. Probably. (laughs) But are these really the cases of paranormal phenomena, or is there something else going on? Local medicine expert Wiro Senkala believes that... You think they'd throw a vowel in occasionally just to give a girl a chance, wouldn't they? No. Believes that, far from being the case of demonic intervention, the situation is most likely to have been the result of mass hysteria, something that has been occurring increasingly often in countries such as Malaysia, Swaziland, and the Philippines. A heat wave currently being experienced in the region is also thought to be a contributing factor. Have you got everything for school? Have you got your lunch money? Have you got your books? They blamed mass hysteria on the last one like that that we read. They did. Mm -hmm. Have you got your holy water? You got your cross with you? And ice. And ice. What part of a possession requires ice? Oh, because it's hot. It's hot. Yeah, but the time you get to school, I bet it's uh, less to carry on the way home, right, is where I'm going. Is that like Hansel and Gretel where you follow the puddles and then you can't get back again? Is that where we are? We are now in the round that is UFOs and cryptozoology. It's green men and hairy beasties. A 30-foot model of the Loch Ness Monster built in 1969 for a Sherlock Holmes movie has been found almost 50 years after it sank in the loch. The beast was created for the Billy Wilder directed The Private Life of Sherlock Holmes, starring Sir Robert Stevens and Sir Christopher Lee. 
It has been seen for the first time in images captured by an underwater robot. Loch Ness expert Adrian Shine said the shape, measurements and location pointed to the object being the prop. The robot, operated by Norwegian company Kongsberg Maritime, is being used to investigate what lies in the depths of Loch Ness. Mr Shine told the BBC News Scotland website, We have found a monster, but not the one many people might have expected. The model was built with a neck and two humps and taken alongside a pier for filming of portions of the film in 1969. The director did not want the humps and asked that they be removed. Despite warnings, I suspect from the rest of the production, this would affect its buoyancy. And the inevitable happened. The model sank. Are you making a joke about having your humps removed? That's right. And the buoyancy and all that. Okay. Yeah. Oh, she'll plow on regardless. <laughs> Mr. Shine added, we can confidently say that this is the model because of where it was found. The shape. There is the neck and no humps. And from the measurements as well. This is like the horse's head that was found in The Godfather. Do you remember that scene? We had the horse's head. This is just Nessie's head. And they found it at the bottom of the lake. The model was floated out to a place in the lock where only a few months earlier there were real sightings of the Loch Ness Monster. Imagine that Nessie could have taken a romantic shine to the model and then would have pleasured itself. That would have been a fabulous footage, wouldn't it? You're dragging this giant model of the Loch Ness Monster for a film out into Loch Ness where sightings of the monster had been found. And then the monster sees this model. There's not another female Loch Ness Monster around. It's taken an amorous shine to it. It decides to pleasure itself. You're getting all this on film. That would be a joy. That's not something you see every day, is it? And that's why it's called a pleasure assault. Heather, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? I have something I should get double points for. Well, let's hear your story and then we'll make a judgment. How does that How about sound? a UFO and unidentified animal show up in Canada? You're getting both together. It makes a change that your stories actually involve cryptozoology and UFOs. <laughs> Exciting times. Your track record in this area <laughs> has been thin, to say the least. A man in southern Canada shared a video on Saturday Hang showing... On. Southern Canada. That's America, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Show Shared a video on Saturday showing what he referred to as a UFO and the sounds of animals. People in the area were not immediately able to identify. So a UFO and animal-like screechings animals it's rabbits being sucked out the ground and being taken up for vivisection in ufos for vivisection vivisection lots of of squirrels and rabbits being sucked out of the trees Mm. little holes being dragged up in a tractor beam all the way up to the ufo where your imagination goes chirruping as Mm. they go a shower mummy coming home mummy's not coming home Ashawa resident Paul Shishis told Cryptozoology News he was walking his dog down the street while he noticed the strange sounds at about 11.50 p.m. last year. Are these different to sounds, these sounds? Shishis? They're shishi sounds. Yes. <laughs> Shishel, shishel. the shishel. There was a high-pitched shrilling sound coming across the street near some homes, said Shishish. That's the squeaking squirrels. A 56-year-old working as a QC receiver. So I thought to film. The video, about two minutes long, shows a low-flying, unidentified flying object over a grassy area. And high-pitched animal sounds emerge as the object moves around. 
The one person came up the street with a high-powered flashlight looking too, added the Canadian. Shishis claims that he has never heard the sound before and he is asking for help identifying its source. This is the sound of squirrels being sucked out of trees by tractor beams. Yeah! But even though the sounds are new to the Ontarian, this is not the first time he spots a flying object of this kind. In 2003, he reported he saw a flying snake while camping near Sandbanks Provincial Park near Ontario. Ever seen such a thing? In 2014. Oh, you're ignoring me now. Yes. Okay, fair it was the fire hose joke, wasn't it? It was. My apologies. In 2014, he photographed a classical dislike flying saucer in Scarborough, Ontario. So he's addicted to flying saucers and squeaky animals. I like the fact all these animals are just floating. That would be great, wouldn't it? What would a rabbit be thinking as it's just hovering, you know, 10 foot away from the ground? This hasn't happened to me before. Why am I up here? Hair today, gone tomorrow. Fabulous. <laughs> I shall end the story there. NASA has been accused of an alien cover-up after a live ISS feed appearing to show a horseshoe UFO suddenly went down. Conspiracy theorists are having a field day over the sighting of a strange U-shaped object hovering on the horizon of the International Space Station. They claim NASA cut the live feed after the glowing blue object flew too close to the space station. Some have even gone as far to say NASA's funding should be cut over their great alien deception. The mysterious UFO was first spotted by Scott Waring as he watched the live stream. He then passed the footage on to alien hunter Tyler Glockner, who uploaded the video to his YouTube channel. Narrating the video, Tyler said, When you play this footage quickly, it looks like the UFO changes its position. When we first see it, it's more on the side. But when you cycle through the footage, it seems to be manoeuvring more on its face. Have you done much manoeuvring on your face? Yes. It's definitely another interesting find, and once again, directly after it appears, NASA cuts the feed. That's why you see the screen go blue. They've done this. They've done it many times. They have their hand on the chicken switch, as they call it. My hand is... A what? They call chicken it, switch. Yes, my hand's been barely off the chicken switch. Apparently, <sighs> if a UFO appears, they call it the chicken switch, and someone presses a button, and the screen goes blue. Who knew? <laughs> We have documented that on this channel for years now. The only time when the feed tends to get cut is oddly when these UFOs appear. Tyler says the International Space Station live feed went down in 2014 after a massive yellow disc was spotted hovering over the space station. And the latest sighting comes after Jason Beeson, 20, spotted a cigar-shaped object with a bluish hue hovering close to the space station. In response, a spokesperson said reflections from the station windows, the spacecraft structure itself, or lights from Earth commonly appear as artifacts in photos and videos from the orbiting station. Or was that just swamp gas? I used to think all this was bunk, okay? Mm -hmm. But now I've seen so many videos where there's a strange anomaly and they cut the feed. You almost now think that it's a stimulus and response situation. If they didn't cut it, there wouldn't be a great deal to talk about. You'd just say it's an anomaly. It's space junk. It's reflections. Right. It's this. It's a lens flare. It's this, that, and the other. I don't understand why NASA would cut the feed after every time something odd appears. That, that has a sign of being guilty about it, doesn't it? Yes. So I'm not sure what to think about. If you'd have asked me two years ago, I'd have said, utter tosh and bunkum. The whole thing's a rum do. But now, 
I don't know what to think anymore. There are more questions than answers. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of UFOs and cryptozoology? A couple encounters a huge cat in the Cotswolds. A terrified couple in England have sketched a creature that they encountered while out driving at night. Robert and Nicola Ingram had been passing through Croom Court in the early hours of the morning when they caught sight of a large, black, four-legged beast at the side of the road. It was petrifying. It looked like it was on steroids, Robert said of the incident. We had heard rumors about an escaped panther in the area, but we'd thought it was a load of nonsense. But when I saw this animal with my own eyes, I was stunned. It was enormous, far too big for a fox or a dog. Put the money in the bag and no one gets hurt. (laughs) I'll have your rings as well, sweetheart. (laughs) It must have weighed about nine stone, about the same as a slim adult. The couple later drew a sketch of the creature that they saw. It looked right at us and walked up to the car. It then lowered the front of its body and looked like it was going to pounce, Robert continued. It washed the windscreen and charged us $10. (laughs) We just slammed the car into reverse and went as far as we could. It was terrifying. There have been many sightings. We spoke last week about a cat that was seen by a drone in Wales, of all places. They were going to go back. The uh, Dangerous Wild Animals Act of 1976 said you couldn't keep wild animals anymore. So a lot of people just released all their wild and exotic animals. And husbands. And husbands into the wild. <laughs> They've now been living in wells in the undergrowth and living on berries and fruits of the trees. Who knew such things? It's just ridiculous. I was driving through a place called Bedfordshire on my way to work, and I was going through the woodlands, and a kangaroo suddenly appeared in the middle of the road, <laughs> and I had to drive around it. And I'm thinking, no one's going to believe me. They're not native to Britain. It's like driving down the road here and going round a kangaroo that's standing in the middle of the road. That would be unbelievable. It was hitching a ride, by the way. But I did find out later that many years ago, the local zoo, which was just a few miles away, had a bit of an incident where some kangaroos got out and they ran into the woods and they couldn't get them back. So there's a small population of kangaroos breeding in the wild in the woods of Woven Abbey Safari Park at the moment. (laughs) And they're plaguing tourists. They're holding up cars. They're taking people's money. They've got a little pouch, haven't they? They've got a gun in their pouch. They're taking your money off you. What are the police doing about this? Ask myself. You go into the police station, there's a lineup of kangaroos. They all look the same, though, don't they? They come over here. They take our money, take our women, take our jobs. They all look the same. Hopping mad. It's terrible to do. (laughs) I blame the Australians. I have one more story for the round of UFOs and cryptozoology. In 1977, which only seems like a few years ago, right? The alien hunting astronomer Jerry Eamon spotted a signal from deep space, which was so unusual that he scribbled the words wow in the margin of his notebook. Now an American scientist has uncovered evidence which could finally demolish claims that this mysterious burst of radio waves was produced by an extraterrestrial civilization. Antonio Paris from St. Petersburg College in Florida. Yay! Florida! <laughs> Just me then. Poured over astronomical records and found that two comets zoomed past on Earth at the very moment the wow signal was recorded. He originally published his theory in the Journal of the Washington Academy of Sciences earlier this year, but is now on the verge of finally proving his claims. Paris, a former investigator at the Department of Defense, is about to successfully complete a crowdfunding campaign to raise enough cash to build a radio telescope to solve one of the greatest mysteries of the universe, why hamsters smell of popcorn. 
I made that up. <laughs> I have always been fascinated with astronomy, space, and more importantly, whether there is life in the universe, he told the Sunday Times. One of the great mysteries of the world is why comedians always finish on a song. Why do they think they can sing? They do a stand-up routine, tell loads of jokes, and go out on a song. Have you noticed that? Nope. Just me, then. Here we have a crime scene with a date and a time and a little description of the subject. Paris has now raised $18,000 of his goal of 20000 on the crowdfunding site. This cash will be used to build a radio telescope just in time to see the comets 266P Christensen and P-Stroke 2008 Y2. Zoomed through the same area of the sky as the star cluster M55 in the constellation of Sagittarius. What? <laughs> when i used to watch star trek when i used to watch star wars there were fabulous names there was the dagobah system there was the endor there was tantooine you never heard han solo say to chewy we need to get to p stroke 2008 y2 because it's in the m55 cluster how sexy is that that's ridiculous there's so many names why can't they give it a name What's wrong with Dave? What's wrong with Gavin? Can't, no we call the, can't we call a comet Gavin? I don't understand why that space is meant to be sexy and exciting. It's not meant to be, oh, look, there's a comet. Let's call it 266P stroke Christensen. <laughs> That's unbelievable. You can't tell me there's not names out there. You could sell certificates and get people to name them. There's many, many mysteries in the world, isn't there? Like, why do birds suddenly appear? We move into the round of <laughs> Don't you have to be a comedian first before you do that? Oh, minus three. I was just Straight <laughs> in. No messing around. We run into the round of Strange and Bizarre, where Heather has ruined all of the good work she's put in place over the last 49 minutes. What a waste of time that was. You have to ruin it right at the end. Ruined. You can't go through, can you? You have to ruin it. There's literally eight minutes to go. And you've ruined it. You've ruined it for yourself. You've My embarrassed family. your family, your friends, your country. Yeah. You've embarrassed the continent. How could you <laughs> sleep at night? What have you got for me in the round of the strange and the bizarre? I have an update on everybody's favorite topic, the flying spaghetti monster. Yes, that was high on my list of things to find out this week. I know. The flying spaghetti monster is not God, rules mortal judge. Hmm. Oh. It's been judged upon. Does that mean it? they He's can not... still perform marriages then or not? Well, this judge says no, no. Weren't they allowed to have their driving license photo taken with a colander on their head? They still are in they some areas. Okay. The United States District Court judge has ruled that the pastafarianism, the cult of the flying spaghetti monster, is not a religion. Stephen Kavanaugh, a prisoner in the Nebraska State Penitentiary, brought the case after being denied access to Pastafarian literature. I didn't know it existed. He must be bored. What's and he doing? A life sentence. He's worked <laughs> his way through the legal books. He's now a qualified attorney. I think I turn my hand to theology. Well, he wanted literature and religious items while behind bars. Kavanaugh argued that he is an avid Pastafarian has FSM tattoos to prove it, 
by what? Sharpie? I don't know. They've done and, them themselves with a pin. And pin they've stolen. I think so. It got smuggled into the prison up someone's bottom. Oh. You've got bottom ink all over your arms, sir. Well, this is his argument. He said he therefore should be allowed the ability to order and wear religious clothing and pendants, the right to meet for weekly worship services and classes, and the right to receive communion. Communion? What is he having? It's spaghetti sauce? You get anointed with carbonara. And they I've throw ba- spaghetti balls at you. And... I think that's the blood of Christ. Is this, yeah, <laughs> that's where we are. It's tomato sauce. Here's the body and here's the spaghetti sauce for the blood. What? I think we're there. I think we've nailed it. I think we got it. Prison officers denied his request on the grounds that postafarianism is a parody religion. So what you say is you get on your hands and knees and they give you some garlic bread and some pasta sauce. Yeah, okay. yeah, I think that's I it. I think that's check. it. Okay. Judge John M. Gerard agreed with the prison officer's argument, noting that Pastafarianism was cooked up. <laughs> I'm sorry, that was good. As no, a hang on a second. Not, I will tell you whether it's good or not. Let's not prejudge it. <laughs> As a response to intelligent design being taught in the state of Kansas, the decision to teach intelligent design was justified as it is being one of the many widely held religious beliefs about the origins of the earth. Activist Bobby Henderson devised Pastafarianism flying spaghetti monster, claiming that it, too, was a widely held belief and that it should also be taught in Kansas schools. Really? Well, they already have paganism taught in some places, don't they? What are they going to teach? I'm going to have to look this up. How to drain pasta? (laughs) Maybe. How to grate Parmesan? Pastafarians have occasionally fought for the right to wear a colander on their heads. Okay. Such as strainers are holy to Pastafarians and won religious freedom cases in Russia and Austria. I tell you what, you put those colanders on your head, you go wandering out there in that lightning storm and that'll be great. I think... That'll thin them out. I think everybody... Should do that and post it on our wall. I'm going to put a colander on your head. No. And then dye your hair. I'm going to pull your hair through and I'm going to dye it. And we'll see what happens. <laughs> Great. <laughs> colander dying. <laughs> Judge Gerard was not impressed by those offshore cases, quickly deciding that FSMism is a parody and not an actual religion. Nor was he impressed by Kavanaugh, who had a rather poor grasp on Pastafarianism's key text, which the judge took the trouble to read. That's five hours of his life he won't get back. <laughs> I would love to see some of the texts. That's good. How that's would he know all hilarious. about this? He's just been denied books. We've already established no, this. The judge yes. read through the whole thing. I know he did. And then said that he knew more about it than the guy who was in prison who was in the dock. If the guy in prison hasn't got access to books, then you would think that would be the case. He's proving the guy's case for him. I think he became a Pastafarian before he went in was his argument. Oh. So he came in with it. He came in with it, rather than just deciding in the prison cell with a 20-year stretch ahead of him that he'd get That he likes spaghetti. Okay, I see where we are. (laughs) Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of The Strange and the Bizarre? A man wakes up to discover he spent thousands on a truly bizarre purchase after taking sleeping pills. <laughs> Who knows what possibly could have inspired him to buy this? He should probably lock his computer away in the future. Sometimes in life you wake up and slowly but surely, memories from the night before come trickling back, mostly following alcohol-fueled antics. 
If you've ever had that moment of panic when you find a pricey bar receipt in your bag, just count yourself lucky that you didn't go online shopping while your head wasn't exactly clear. This man woke up after taking sleeping pills to find he'd accidentally splashed out $3,000 on a live yak. A live yak. Yes. They can be milked, though, apparently. So it's not the end of the world, is it? Yak milk? (laughs) He purchased the golden Tibetan yak cow from the store, Yaks and Things, which we can't quite believe is actually the name of a shop. Well, there is Yak Hut and there's Yak Saras, so he had a choice, didn't Mm -hmm. he? Did that include shipping? Uh, Yes, I'll give you the breakdown on that. (laughs) I was just wondering. (laughs) A friend posted the order confirmation to Imgur with the caption, a friend of a friend accidentally ordered a live yak while on sleeping pills. According to the order confirmation, which was posted to Imgur by a friend of a friend, the yak cost $2,687 and shipping costs totaled $389. That's not bad. Fantastic. (laughs) Can you imagine his wife... When that arrived, I feel sorry for the postal worker pushing that into a mailbox. Can you imagine trying to push a yak into a mailbox? That's why I told the judge anyway. I got away with it. (laughs) How did it all end? Well, thankfully, he apparently managed to cancel the order. He managed to stop the payment at the credit card company. He also posted this on Facebook. Oh, I'm sure you would have all liked for me to just let them deliver it. But my apartment complex would boot my ass onto the street. The only thing worse than being homeless is being a homeless yak owner. (laughs) Yakety yak. Don't talk back. I have a story that says meet the teenage werewolf who is covered from head to toe in thick three inch long black hair. Asute Mohammed Raihan, 13, has turned down medical treatment for his ultra rare condition because he thinks it's a blessing from God. The boy is revered as a Hindu deity in his Indonesian village because of his unusually hairy physique. In fact, the student suffers from a rare genetic condition called werewolf syndrome, which causes his hands, legs, back and stomach to be covered in hair, but only on a full moon. Mohammed <laughs> faces, I made that up, Mohammed faces name calling from some peers who liken him to the Hindu monkey god, Hanuman. But the devout Muslim who lives with his widowed mum and four siblings on the island of Borneo is unfazed with the name calling and considers himself to be God's special child. Mohammed said, I'm not bothered with such attention. Some people laugh at me, others just come to me for a blessing. Sometimes people would flock to my house from far off villages to just have a glimpse of me i think i am a god who has special powers but this attention is okay because i look different the boy's mum who's called pardon that's an awkward name isn't it what's your name pardon now i said what's your name that could go on for some time the boy's mum pardon who lost her farmer husband 10 months ago has taken him to several doctors but she stopped medication after they told her his hair would only grow back longer and thicker with age i wonder what medication that is out of interest (laughs) i have taught him to never complain about his condition but instead accept it with grace if you want to see him it will cost you a banana and a bag of nuts apparently It's very true. You're hairy like animal. Good, baby. Very good. We now enter the final round of the evening. It is the round that people like the best. It is the round that's called Not For Your Mother. It's the stories that are laden with sexual innuendo, that are laden with things that you would not want your mother to hear. If your mother's of a delicate disposition, if you have young minors in the room, now would be the time to send them off to bed with milk and cookies heather what have you got for me tonight in the round of not for your mother 
I have a hotel that bans men, quote, just men, from wearing Lycra cycling shorts because of the unsightly bulges. Where would you? The big packages. People just walking around randomly with Lycra tight shorts on. Yes. You can tell their religion. What if, oh. you, what if you say that's just a knotted hanky and a dollar fifty? I'm in just loose smuggling change? a cinnamon roll. What if you say that's a knotted hanky and a pocket full of loose change? <laughs> well, it will fit with the cinnamon roll if you listen, because they're actually going in to eat at a diner. Is this a cinnamon roll where you pop open the tube and it suddenly expands by any chance? Mm. There's Pillsbury ones that go, and they just suddenly... I've never heard of those before. You've never heard of those before? Mm-mm. Okay. I don't cook those. You don't cook anything. Oh, <laughs> that's true. A hotel in New Zealand has banned breakfast and lunch guests from wearing Lycra cycling shorts as the bulges on show are putting off other diners. I couldn't touch my boiled egg. Oh, staff at the Plow Hotel near Christchurch. Yes, the Plow. Have received several complaints about cyclists turning up after a lengthy ride and not bothering to change out of their tight sportswear. That's gross. That's that gross. Be. They're complaining about the bulge, though, rather than the smell from the exercise. Or the chafing. No, they've got that, too. <laughs> they've got the chafing and, and everything. There's, yeah. You should have baby powder on. That's the way to go. Luke Grice, part owner of the hotel, told The Independent, we have had a few people coming in here after long bike rides, a bit sweaty and stinky. There are customers having lunch who probably don't want to see that kind of Thing. I couldn't touch my scotch. <laughs> I, I pushed my scotch egg around the plate and barely touched my sausage. And the grapes. Grapes? Grapes. What? Where? How? Bum grapes. Scotch eggs, sausages and grapes. That's your breakfast, is it? And cinnamon rolls, apparently. Cinnamon rolls. <laughs> well, you've got all your food groups there. That's the breakfast of champions, is that? <laughs> so we thought we'd help them out and keep it classy, so that's why they're banning them. Grice and his colleague, Mike Saunders, have put up a sign outside which reads, The bicycle is a beautiful object, but they should never have invented Lycra. No Lycra shorts allowed, please. Wow, he's really ramming it down their throat, isn't he? (laughs) Mr. Grice says that so far the backlash has not been too great, and many cyclists have been taking pictures of the sign, but the hotel team were prepared should any cycling enthusiasts show their wrath. If there's hordes of cyclists outside threatening to bash us with their bike pumps, we can always barricade ourselves in. We've got a bit of food and drink here, so we should be able to last them. There were so many jokes in there. I can't, I can't I know. I know where to begin. <laughs> so many words came and went in there in such a short period of time. I know. That, that I don't know where to begin. I know. It's almost like Christmas and you've got a whole bunch of presents to open and you don't know where to start. Don't know. I shall leave that for... If my mum said if I had nothing nice to say, <laughs> not to say anything at all. Kim, what have you got for me tonight in the round of Not For Your Mother? Dallas man arrested for breaking into homes and tickling buttholes. Uh, what? How? <laughs> I'm reading it. <laughs> isn't, it, isn't, it isn't the Dallas Cowboys just like a big star? Yes. That, that's a big star on its own, right? What <laughs> we'll I'm call s- it the star for the rest of the show. Okay. Texas, the infamous star tickler who was breaking into homes in Dallas was tickling people's stars while they were sleeping has finally been captured. 
Twinkle, twinkle, little star. The so-called star tickler hit several homes and targeted at least a dozen people before being arrested. His best cover is the element of surprise. People believed he was a harmless, homeless, homeless man. A harmless, homeless man? Yes. But after being captured, it was discovered he wasn't homeless, but was wearing Jesus brand clothing that is estimated to be worth over $4,500. All of the break-ins happened overnight, and people were so scared they started sleeping on their backs. Hang on a second. <laughs> There's many a slick twix cup and lip. Firstly, he's got to be able to break in. Secondly, you have to be sleeping in such a position that your star is then prone. And then thirdly, he has to get past the covers, past the quill, and hopefully, touch wood, maybe, he has to get past your nightwear. There's many things that have There's to happen. There's one more in there. There's four. No, I said four. If you say another one, that's five. Okay, well, then there's five. <laughs> Wouldn't you have to spread the cheeks? What, just to get some purchase? To get to the star? To get to the star. I think once you've gone past the first four stages, I think the fifth stage is probably child's play. Once it's presented to you and you've gone through all of that rigmarole, you've gone through that flow chart of things that have to fall in your favour, I think the last thing to worry about, I think once you're there then the world's your oyster, isn't it, at that point? You can arrange how you want to go for it at that stage. You're either going to get a tickle or the shocker. Either it's one. the shocker. That's going to wake you up, isn't it? Not tonight, sweetheart. I'm tired. The article says, We spoke with Richard Nays, who lives near three of the Star Tickler's victims' homes, and he oh, told God. us, I slept on my back every day. I can finally sleep on my stomach again. <laughs> All of the Tickler's victims were men. And he is currently being held in Dallas County with no bond. What did he tickle him with? Does it say? Is it the His fickle, fingle. the fickled finger of doom? By the yes. fickled finger, the yes. fickled finger of doom. Yep. Wow. Was his favorite artist Picasso? Controversial. Uh, no. I have a story that says a U.S. synchronized swimming team comprising ninth grade girls aged between 14 and 15 hired a male stripper to perform at their annual banquet. Officials in the state of Iowa say the father. Iowa? I know. That's very close to home, isn't it? The father of one. I managed to get there and back before anyone noticed. The father of one of the team members told local media the girls had employed the stripper as a joke. But he had not totally disrobed. Apparently, he left a sock on, by all accounts. Friday night's events at the Des Moines Social Club. There's a place to go, isn't there? I sit on a Friday night and think, where shall we go tonight? And I'm thinking, the Des Moines Social Club. Top of my list every time. Was not attended by school staff. How can they have a girls' banquet for the synchronised swimming team and not have a member of staff present? I find that remarkable. <laughs> Officials in Des Moines are deciding how the girls should be punished a social club employee eventually asked the stripper to depart and his presence was deemed inappropriate for teenage girls the paper quoted a parent of one of the girls as saying that while students and parents were embarrassed by the situation the girls had never been in danger apparently they were seated a good 14 inches away the stripper did not touch any of the girls their parents said although it does not say if the girls touched the stripper <laughs> wow i'd swim faster synchronized stripping teams i want underwater synchronized stripping teams i think more people would be interested in watching the olympics if people were to die underwater doing synchronized stripping it's not synchronized when you do it by yourself in a lake 
Oh. I'm just saying. Well, again, <laughs> you've been spying on me. That walleye still writes, to be fair. Every Christmas I get a card. Heather, what have you got for me now in the round of Not For Your Mother? I'm going to France. And you're doing a Pakistani accent because... Yes. I'm because going to France. Fr- I'm going to France. I'm going to go to France. Mr. Simpson, you want a slushy, Mr. Simpson? And it's our favorite subject as well, Kim. It's a willy. French statue gets detachable penis to thwart thieves. Oh, no. Yes. And Akashan. Akashan? Yes. Akashan, Akashan. Let me whack you, Akashan. <laughs> you've, you've, I'm going to interrupt you. You made me think of a different story this week that's just real short. They now have smart like a smartphone only smart dildos that you download an app onto your smartphone and it gives you feedback feedback like you know you you need to put more enthusiasm into this it lets you know how long you should do foreplay and that type of thing bit of you need more three and a half minutes longer madam is where we need to be yes i'm not happy about that (laughs) no that's a stretch i want it to be a surprise for both me and him (laughs) every surprise You want the I want it like a jack in the box. You want your <laughs> You want the star tickle, don't you? I want a I want a device called the star tickler. Uh, wow. The star and stripes. This is where wow. we're going. A town in France has seemingly found a solution to Seemingly. Okay, carry on. <laughs> It'll prevent locals from vandalizing a statue of the Greek hero Heracles. Yes. The town of Arkashan has decided to create a prosthetic removable penis that can be attached to the statue of Heracles or Hercules. I wonder what they're doing with it. <laughs> I am really. No <laughs> you have someone's eye. You could tickle someone with it. You could climb into their bedroom late at night and tickle someone. You could with turn her- it into a lamp with Hercules' appendage. Yes. There must be a film out there called Hercules' appendage. If there isn't, we need to make one. And we should have rights. Copyright it. Greg's got cameras. <laughs> considering i'll make you rich kim <laughs> considering heracles fragile manhood we've chosen to give him a removable prosthetic that we can add to the statue before each ceremony i don't know what kind of ceremony i couldn't tell you deputy mayor said according to the local which is the standard paper this is the best solution otherwise you just end up constantly chasing after the anatomy of heracles so they don't want to be chasing his wang around. They should leave it in the hands of the law. Wow. <laughs> A number of unsolved cases of thefts of the statue's penis have been reported in the area throughout the year, said Mayor Yis Fulan. Do you think they could dust it for fingerprints? <laughs> no, because they've never found it. They've never found one. It just gets snapped off and Somebody gone. Somebody somewhere has a drawer full of them. There must be an entire drawer. Back in the Victorian period, the Victorians were very prudish. They would put tablecloths over tables in case they got a glimpse of the table leg. This is outrageous. They slept in separate rooms and, you know, sex should never be mentioned and so forth. And in the British Museum, in other museums around the world, the Victorians painted fig leaves over amazing works of art by Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo because they couldn't cope with the idea of seeing the twig and berries. They have chiseled off willies in some of the greatest statues ever created during the Renaissance period. And I have been to the British Museum as an art historian, and I went behind the scenes, and they literally have a drawer full of willies of everything that got chiseled off 
during the Victorian period. And there was a woman who specialised in trying to match up the willies to the statues. <laughs> it's like a quiz game. And do you what know, do you got to do to apply for that job? <laughs> <laughs> You're going to be lo- working some long hours, Kim. She's never home. Mm. She works every hour. God send. She must be getting so much overtime. The woman who was in charge of that curation, her name was Rebecca Bone. And that made me laugh. This is a true story. If ever a woman had a name to do a job, to match the penis to the statue, it was Rebecca Bone. I don't know where you are and what you're doing now, but this was Rebecca Bone that worked at the British Museum back in the 1990s. I wish you all the best. I'm sure you're having a fabulous job wherever you are in the world. The mayor said, I wouldn't want anyone, not even my worst enemies, to go through what happens to the statue. No information has been given about the design or the dimensions of the new appendage that will be added to the 10-foot-tall statue. I'm thinking some sort of Pillsbury Doe kind of croissant that you know no no although no? although it has been confirmed that it will only remain on the statue during ceremonies what ceremonies that's all i want to know velcro they've got a willy with some velcro they stick it on the ceremony's over they're putting all the food away the balloons are being deflated off it comes stick it in the mayor's drawer we'll bring it out next year with the bunting and take it home with me. Take it home with <laughs> Fabulous. It looks a lot smaller than I remember it last year. <laughs> Kim, you need to wind up the show in the round of Not For Your Mother. Everyone needs to get out their pens and papers and write this date and information down. I'm poised. The Naked Magic Show. Now you see it, now you don't. <laughs> Quattro Entertainment presents The Naked Magic Show at Vogue Theatre. Granville Street, all ages welcome. Thursday, June 9th, 2016. Doors are open 6 p.m. Show is at 7 p.m. Do you want to see the woman sawing in half at this stage? Just see where we are. The knife throwing act, that could be dangerous, couldn't it? We just nicked it on the way through. I had to go to hospital. Now not... you see it, now you don't. Now yes. you see it, now you don't. Yeah, I cracked that joke like almost 20 seconds ago. Were you, where are you? What planet are you did on? You? Are you even listening? You're not paying any attention, are you, at all, on any level? <laughs> Have you been drinking tonight? I'm just you, thinking of you've it. You've been on the sauce. <laughs> I did have to look up where the Vogue Theatre was. It's in Vancouver, Canada. Not oh. too far, then. Uh, general tickets went on sale Friday, April 8th at 10 a.m. Ten people fainted when the rabbit appeared. <laughs> did he pull it out with its ears? Following sold-out shows and rave reviews in Australia, New Zealand, Asia, and the USA, the world's boldest and cheekiest magic show, The Naked Magic Show, is coming to Vancouver. You should have seen where the flowers came out. Wouldn't a vase be better, madam? I'm on fire. (laughs) The most entertaining show of the year, says Aussie Theatre. The show features magic, mirth, and more than a touch of mayhem as these two hot and hilarious magicians say abracadabra and take magic to a whole new level. Abra, abracadabra. I want to reach out and And grab grab you. Left without sleeves or pockets, their saucy magic is baffling and entertaining, bringing a new meaning to Now You See It. It's R-rated magic at its stunning best, says the global goddess. This boisterous R-rated magic show strips away the top hats and capes, promising full frontal illusions. Illusions, yes. Wow. (laughs) I just want to see the trick with the walnuts and the pea. Good magicians don't need sleeves, and great magicians don't need pants. This show proves just that. Definitely the hottest ticket in town, says the Australian Arts Review. We should all book a ticket. And get over to Canada. 
Well, all good things come to an end, so let us look at tonight's scores. In last place with the K2 meter and the dead battery is Heather, who scored minus three. Greg didn't break the scoring tonight. It is on a duck egg. Kim scored two, and I am today's runaway leader with a resplendent first-place score of six, and I will be gifting myself the $33,000 IR camera. Do not fear, listener. Remember, we are back with a whole new bunch of stories next week at the same time, and I would love for you to join me for a fun and informative journey through the world of the paranormal, strange, intriguing, bizarre, and weird. Please tell your friends and family about the show, and feel free to contact me anytime via my Facebook site, More Questions and Answers with Adrian Lee. You can also join Join my Twitter account at Adrian underscore Lee underscore tips. And remember, we have an archive where we do an extra 20 to 25 minutes of the show now in a round called Not For Your Mother that can't go out live on air. If you go to soundcloud.com and look for MQTA radio. My gratitude and greatest thanks are extended to Lorna Hunter, Heather Morris, Shaton Drainer, Kim McGregor, Gore, and all at the International Paranormal Society, intparanormal.net, and all of the show's sponsors, including the Lakes Area Paranormal Interest Group and MUFON of Minnesota. It just remains for me to say thank you for listening, and remember, be interested and interesting. Good night. Good night.